to take a ride. Grab your coffee and strap yourself in, because the show is about to begin. From the front lines of America, Babylon, and transmitting worldwide on the internet and satellite, you are listening to Omega Man Radio Network with Shannon Davis. Alright everybody, that time is right. Welcome back. Here on our 7 show marathon today. Today is Wednesday, January 10th, 2024. It's an honor to bring back to you Doug Perry, Fellowship of the Martyrs. Doug, welcome back, my friend. Thank you. Thank you, Shannon. God bless you. Doug, would you like to open us in prayer tonight? Sure. Lord God Almighty, we thank you so much for this time. We ask that you be fully present in this time, that you accomplish your purposes, that you get everybody to listen to this that's supposed to listen to it, that you would guide the words of our mouth. That the gifts would be manifest, that would accomplish healing and deliverance and everything else you want accomplished on this time in this time. We thank you for this medium, for this ability to communicate all over the world. We don't know how long we'll have it, but we're grateful for it. I ask blessing on Shannon, his family, his ministry, and all that you're doing all over the world. We continue to pray for the unity of the bride she would rise up as one dressed in white without wrinkle or spot that you would be glorified we praise your holy name we thank you and we bless you pray all this to the father in the name of the lord jesus christ amen you know i say amen to that and welcome wherever you're tuning in from folks we're just getting started contact someone and get them to tune in you can send them right to our here to um OmegaManRadio.com. From there, they've got a couple links, whichever way they want to listen, or go to OmegaManRadio.MixLR.com. That's a direct link. Well, with that, uh, Doug, welcome back. And uh, tonight, I'm going to throw the mic to you, my friend. Take it away. Thank you. How much time do we have? we got as much as you want. Okay. Well, uh, brother, dear brother, I was praying about... Uh, what we needed to talk about tonight and I think I'm supposed to minister to you well praise the Lord let the Holy Spirit guide you okay um, over the years of doing deliverance and praying for healing and all kinds of other things for people um, I have learned that one of the biggest things that stands in the way um, of us being able to receive from the Lord uh, is us is um, a filter and 
I, it's not uh, something I, I try not to write about things that other people said. I, I try to write about what the Lord showed me that I know is from him and not from any man. I was in 2006, for the fall of 2006, I was in Dallas at the headquarters for Gospel for Asia, gfa.org, look them up. They train native missionaries in Asia and do a great job. And uh, once a month, they have an, a staff-wide open prayer meeting. Um, and I was there ministering to one of the director, vice president guys and his wife, and they invited me to this prayer meeting. And so I went and said, Lord, just lead me to whoever I need to pray with. And the Lord said, that kid over there. And how is that still doing that? I just turned it off. Um, I, um, I look over at this kid and he is vanilla wallflower that is just blends into the woodwork and hides, you know, just let me, I think my phone is interfering with my headset somehow. Um, and I can see a lot of fear, a big spirit of fear on him. And I go over to talk to him and I said, uh, that's my dog. I said, how you doing? And he said, okay. And mousy little voice. And I said, why are you so afraid? And he said, it was all I could do to come to Dallas to work at this headquarters. But I feel like the Lord's calling me to India and I'm scared to death. And I, um, we prayed about the spirit of fear and nothing budged. And, uh, he was on a whole bunch of anti-anxiety medicine, antidepressants and other stuff. And I said, Lord, why is nothing working? And the Lord said, because of the dad filter. And I'm like, okay, what's a dad filter? <laughs> Biblically speaking, anytime God or an angelic being or, or, or picks you up by the hair and plops you down and says, <laughs> what do you think of this, oh man? Or asks you a question, can these dry bones rise up? The correct answer is, only you know, Lord. Don't guess, don't speculate, just shut up and say, I have no clue, just tell me. That's the best, the best way. So I said, okay, I give, what's the dad filter? He said, it's a lens that you look at uh, God through that's shaped like earth dad. And so I said, uh, so tell me about your dad. And he says, well, my dad died when I was two. And I heard a voice that said, if God really loves you, he'd send your daddy back. He could raise Lazarus from the dead. He could raise your dad. And he said, I prayed and prayed and prayed that God would send my dad back, but he didn't come back. And the voice said, see, God doesn't love you, which is just a wicked, horrible thing to do to a little kid. And uh, then mom started dating around and, he had a string of step boyfriends and stepdads and whoever that would beat him or whatever. And he just learned to hide. 
just to blend into the woodwork and not cause any problems and uh, cause any waves and everything would be okay. So he'd lived his life in fear, not believing that God loved him, not believing God was for him, and basically expecting everybody to be against him. Mom didn't defend him against these guys. She kept bringing people home that would hurt him and whatever. And uh, the Lord said, see, he can't receive from God, from me, because he thinks I'm out to get him, that I don't love him, that I'm not for him, that I'm just going to abuse him, that I'm, I only care about uh, using him for my gratification, not for uh, his good. And if he's not going to receive from me, he's not going to receive from the people that I send in my name to help him either. And, uh, um, so, uh, I, 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 it's not a matter of deliverance. It's a matter of holding a mirror up to somebody and say, do you see how you might be putting God in a box shaped like earth dad? And when they say, okay, I kind of get that. I kind of get that I might be doing that. Okay. Well, say you're sorry because you can't, you shouldn't put God in any kind of a box and you certain, certainly shouldn't say he's like that jerk. Um, that came home drunk all the time or beat my mom or was never around or, you know, whatever. And um, so I said, let's pray, and I'll pray the prayer he wants prayed, and you say amen in the right places, and we'll see if something doesn't happen. And he said, okay. And so the Lord had me start praying in a word of knowledge kind of a way for what this kid had done and how he had limited God, and how he had held God at a distance, and how he had done so much in his own power, and he realized now God was calling him to do things he couldn't possibly do. He wasn't at all. There wasn't, there was no way, and he'd basically been rebuking demons in the name of him for a long time because uh, he, he didn't really believe God was with him. And... Uh, so I prayed, Lord, uh, please take that filter, that lens. You know, if you screw a pink lens on the end of a camera, all the all the pictures are tinted pink. So it's like blinders on a racehorse or whatever, however you want to think of it. But it's putting God in a box. And uh, I said, Lord, please take that lens and smash it up into a million pieces and free him and show him what kind of a dad you are and swoop in and kiss his boo-boos and push him on the swings and, and be with him all the time and hold his hand and, and give him everything he needs to do the things you're calling him to do. And, and and with tears, and he said amen, and he's crying. And uh, then we could pray against the fear, and it left. And we could pray against the stress and worry and self-condemnation and the other stuff that was always messing with him, and it left. And um, so we were able to really get him free. I wrote a book called The Dad Filter. That was the first time that I ever saw it, that the Lord ever showed it to me, that we ever dealt with it. After that, I began to see more and more and more and more people that um, subconsciously, without even knowing you're doing it, you don't have any other sense of what a dad is like, except however Earth Dad raised you. And it could be a conglomeration of grandpa and 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 foster care and mom, and it, it, it's not necessarily... You know, maybe there wasn't a dad at all, but somebody influenced you. And and um, anyway, I wrote a book called The Dad Filter that's on our website for free. If you go to fellowshipofthemartyrs.com, under books, 
all of my, I've written eight books about how the church ought to stop buying pipe organs and feed the poor and how to hear God better. And uh, last, last week we talked about deliverance and warfare, spiritual warfare and all that kind of stuff. And uh, they're all on there for free as a download, as a PDF, or you can order paperbacks off Amazon. But um, uh, we, we price them real low, don't hardly make anything. That's not the point. But the Dad Filter book, I go through about 12 case studies, including people in the Bible uh, that um, clearly are related to God in some kind of twisted way, like Samson whose dad pretty much let him do whatever and get away with whatever because he was scared to death. The angel showed up and said, this guy's going to be a judge of Israel. and How do I raise him? And they didn't tell him, so he pretty much let him do whatever. Um, and so he kind of related to God that way until the very end and then finally you know, killed more of the Philistines in his death than he killed in his whole life. Uh, the, the book starts with uh, my dad filter, um, which the... Uh, is was was that I knew from the time I was about 13 that I was smarter than my dad and not like teenage angst uh parents are stupid just demonstrably uh, smarter he was in seminary working on his doctorate and I was reading the books he was reading uh Dietrich Bonhoeffer and other stuff when when I was 13 and you know he had me editing the, the commas and the typos and the whatever in his dissertation. Um, and I, when I got called into the ministry uh, when I was uh, 16, I figured, well, I'll be a pastor. Uh, how hard can it be? My dad's one, and I'm twice as smart as him. <laughs> and uh, finally, when I got around to actually obeying the Lord in my 30s, when I had this uh, vision of how bad things are and how much we need to hurry and how mad God is at the church, and committed everything to him and tried to get back on track and make up for lost time. Uh, uh, he, he started uh, talking to me more and he would say, okay, I want you to do this. And I would say, you know what, Lord, that's a great idea. But if we just tweaked it a little bit here and there, I think it'd be better <laughs> and it wouldn't be better and it would go wrong and people would get hurt. And uh, a brother loved me enough to come up to me one day and said, we're sick and tired of God telling us to do something and then you tweaking it and editing it because you think you could improve on it and it going bad and hurting people. I'm like, I don't do that. He's like, yeah, you do. And you've talked over and over about how you're smarter than Earth Dad, and I think you think you're smarter than God. I'm like, no, I don't. Would you just shut up and ask God if you have a dad filter and you think you're smarter than him? I'm like, uh, Lord, uh, do I think I'm smarter than you? Oh, yeah. Oh, no, shoot, that is so anti-Christ, I can't, oh, man, oh, Lord, okay, all right, all right, you're big, I'm little, I'm an ant, looking through the glass of the ant farm at the big face, I'm so sorry, I will not edit you anymore, do whatever you want, have your way, I will shut up and just do whatever you say, I can't believe, I'm sorry, Lord, please bust that into a million pieces, and you be dad however you want to be dad, and I'll stop thinking I'm smarter than you. And it made a huge difference, a huge difference in my walk. Immediately, he pretty much crushed my business and all the things I had built in my power and rebooted it all back to how he wanted it to be. Uh, anyway, uh, the book goes on 11 other different case studies of, of people, including some Bible characters. And 
I didn't have a lot of time to pray on specifics, but I do feel like I'm supposed to talk to you about how Earth, your relationship with Earth Dad might be affecting your relationship with Father God. Um, I appreciate that. And anything the Holy Spirit has tonight, I'm open to. You know, um, I had a really bad relationship with my with my father. Really, it was in a strange relationship, Doug. I can recall at uh, seven years old, my mom and dad bringing me and my brothers, two years younger than me, into the living room and telling us that they were going to divorce. And basically giving us a, a decision to make. Uh, they said, uh, decide who you want to live with. And that really set the stage for the relationship that I had with, with my, my earthly father. Um, of course, my dad bribed me. He said, if you stay with me, I'll give you $20 to get you a um, Star Wars land speeder. <laughs> that was 1977 when the movie came out. So I took the bribe, yeah. and uh, my dad was gone all the time, so I ended up staying with this uh, this uh, sitter. And I would spend the night over her house. She'd take me to school. I took ill. My mom comes back, and basically I said, Mom, I'm ready to go with you. And my dad comes to me. Uh, he heard that... Uh, my mom had flown all the way from Georgia, where my brother and her had went back home with grandparents to stay, from Indiana, where we live. And uh, Dad came up to me and shook my hand, and he said, uh, Son, I'll see you when you're 24. And I, I look back at this, you know, how bizarre that was. And I Did remember, you get to keep the land speeder? Yeah, I got kept the land speeder. My brother got one, too. <laughs> and uh, what was a strange thing is, uh, you know, I saw my mom and dad commit adultery on each other and yep. had to go through that crazy divorce. Both of them started their lives over. And, you know, me and my brother always felt like the uh, the black sheep, to be honest with you. You know, everybody's went over their lives. We're stuck out here in no man's land. And uh, from there on, my dad and I were very estranged. Um, wouldn't hear from him, even a lot of times on birthday or Christmas. Sometimes we would go to visit him, and then, you know, fast forward, uh, I would see him, you know, at various times growing up, and, uh, you know, I really love my father, but, it, you know, it's kind of hard to have a relationship with somebody that you don't see that often, and who definitely doesn't make a deserted effort to call you. So he would treat me and my brother good when we would see him, but uh, in my early 20s, Doug, I got so offended at my father. And, um, you know, he would make promises and then, you know, back, back, you know, back out. And I got to the point that uh, I was literally just sick and thinking, you know, it would be better that I had no father at all. He was dead. Then to uh, say I have a father and our relationship is basically zero. So uh, when I was, I guess I was 26, I was working for the, for the government at the time and got a job and uh, had went through a couple you know, situations. My dad would he would do some good things for me, and then you know he would just be uh, you know out of sight, out of mind, and uh, got so pissed off that uh, I changed my name at 26. I said I'm done. I'm done with my dad's side of the family. I'm just going to start a new generational line. I literally paid forty dollars. I went down to uh, city of Alexandria where I live. Make a long story longer and. Hey, $40 and a, uh, a form you fill out, I had a new name in, in three days. 
Yeah. Uh, I had a, some other reasons for doing it too. I had a uh, inferiority complex over the name they gave me, Shannon, which was uh, you know, hey, it was kind of a, could have went any anyway <laughs> in the beginning, but you know, girls adopted it, and I would always get mail or calls, Miss Davis. Even yeah. got an application for a beauty pageant one time. <laughs> And some other reasons, so I changed my name, and I didn't talk to my dad for four years. Literally, we didn't talk for four years. It would be my brother Damon, who ended up working with him out of high school, that would you know help to reconcile me and my dad. And then um, we began talking again. And over the years, you know, I would see him. Um, he came into town to see me one time, but it was very estranged, even up until the time of his death in 2007. Uh, he was battling cancer the last year of his life. And uh, Dad had done very well, Doug, uh, business-wise. He made millions of dollars with a, with a business that he had. He had a Ferrari and a Bentley in the garage. But yet he had no time for me. And I hadn't seen him for years. And I was living in Panama at the time, and I would talk to him on the phone, and it would take me four calls to get him on the phone one time. I hope this is the information you're looking for, Doug. And... Um, when I uh, heard he had cancer, I said, Deb, you know, I love you. We can fight this together. There's some treatments in Europe. What do you want to do? And he said, uh, well, son, I'm going to trust my doctor and uh, trust the Lord. Well, he put his faith and trust in the doctor, and they gave him chemo and radiation. He was dead a year later. It was about that mm-hmm. time that I had a dream, Doug. And in my dream, I heard the Lord speak to me. First time it's ever happened, and Really, it's the only time I've ever had him audibly speak to me in a dream. But he said, you and your brother Damon have a generational curse you need to break. That was about 2005, 6 time frame. Uh, and we had a history of premature death on that side of the family. My, uh, on my dad's side, my great-grandfather, they were all in the ministry. Uh, and they all had a generational curse as we would come to uncover. Uh, he was involved in Freemasonry, adultery, divorce. We had five generations of divorce on that side of the family, including me. And uh, great-granddaddy would die at 52. My grandfather would die at 58. My father would die at 57. About that time, the Lord told me, you and your brother Damon have a generational curse to break. So I have this dream. I wake up on my couch. It's a Saturday morning. I'd fallen asleep on my couch. I was living in Panama at the time. My brother Damon called me a day or so later and said, hey, man, I got this book by Derek Prince. You ought to check it out. It's called The Blessing and the Curse You Choose. And I said, well, man, let me tell you about the dream. Then he told us about our half-brother who was laying in his bed in Jacksonville in a condo and a succubus demon came and jumped on him and paralyzed him and he managed to say Jesus a couple of times and the thing jumped off him and left and slammed the door to his room. He was so traumatized mm-hmm. he was at some workshop seeking help on breaking curses. So God was speaking to me and my brother and our half-brother at the time, my father's second marriage. And so we had a real problem. Uh, there was a generational curse it was taking people out. There was a strange relationships, uh, divorce, adultery, whoremongering in the family line. And uh, it was coming after me and my brother next. And at that point in time, you know, I had cried out to the Lord, God, help me. Why am I depressed all the time? What have mood swings? I had no idea that we had a dark shadow over the, the, the line that had a, a legal right to attack us. Didn't know much about deliverance back in 2005 and uh, the Lord answered our cry and told us what was wrong and we then began to seek out some help 
uh, it'd be five years before I would get to the ministry. But you know, my father died, and that really hurt. Love dead. I saw him the last two week of, two weeks of his life. Uh, I was in Costa Rica by that time in two thousand seven, and my grandfather called me on my mom's side, Granddad Weber. Said, "Hey, your dad is uh, not doing well. Why don't you call him?" And I called dad, and we had one of the greatest conversations I probably had in my life. Boy, he had such a a sweet demeanor on the phone. And it was just so enjoyable spending time with him. And I didn't think he was uh, sick, and I don't think he really thought he was that sick. But I got on a plane, came back, and went to Jacksonville, 40, where he'd been living. He'd been running a business down there, uh, and went to the hospital. And then I find out the news. Uh, He's got four-stage cancer. And the doctor said, there's nothing we can do, essentially, at that point. And I heard my dad say, but I want to live. I don't want to die. It was horrible. Yeah, now, I heard my dad uh, say that he wanted to live. He uh, he gave me a a fatherly blessing on his deathbed. Prophesied to me some things that he wanted me to do. And uh, two weeks later, he was dead. And uh, some other things happened with that two week period. But I left his house for the last time as he was in a deep coma and uh, drove back to Atlanta and I never saw him again when I came back for the funeral they already had it the coffin lid closed it was an estranged relationship you know me and my brother today we still battle with that I'll be honest with you divorce old man uh, people so many times they just get selfish and divorce never give a second thought about what's going to happen to the kids and I'll be the first yeah. to tell you divorce is a destroyer we're still battling, you know, trying to overcome that. I'm 54 today. And, um, you know, some of the same things uh, that my forefathers were involved in, divorce, adultery, I battled with and, you know, repented of that and have been serving the Lord now for a long while. But to, to say that I'm uh, emotionally healed, I would be lying to you. You know, we still hurt today from rejection from the father, abandonment from a father, living in a divorce situation, you know. And that's a little bit in a nutshell. Well, it, right. And, and pretty much what I expected. And let me let me let me say for the audience that um uh for illustration purposes as a case study because this is sort of a teaching hospital uh all the all the medical students got to practice giving each other IVs, uh, thumping each other's bellies. And so Shannon is uh, willing to be a sort of guinea pig here for you all uh, to to think about uh, your relationships with Earth Dad and how it might be affecting your relationship with Father God. Um, in situations like yours, Shannon, I would expect... Um, the Lord long time ago helped me to see my cup and what was in my cup and helped me see other people's cups and originally way back 2005 beginning of 2005 he showed me a picture of like a science beaker like you'd put over a, a, a torch in 8th in, in grade science class or something and in the bottom there was yellow stuff and in the middle there was blue stuff and at the top there was red stuff and I said Lord what is this 
because I'm seeing it like out in front of me and he said that's that's you I'm like what do you mean that's me he said that's your cup I'm like okay what's the red stuff he says that's all the stuff that doesn't belong generational curses false paradigms things you've believed uh, willful sin anything that doesn't belong that's of the enemy I'm like okay what's the blue stuff he said that's me okay what's the yellow stuff at the bottom he said that's you that's whatever makes you you uh, uh, the, the soulish stuff and I said well Lord there's a much red stuff he's like yeah and uh so i started praying asking the lord to get the red stuff out whatever it is get it out i don't care how long it's been there i don't care if i like it get it out and uh though your sins are as scarlet to wash them white as snow and my cup the red stuff would leave and then i'd pray and get my cup full uh he says all who are thirsty come to him drink in the living water that you thirst no more but it's but paul says you're to be being filled it's not a one-time thing I know a lot of people that say they're spirit-filled, and I'd rather take a bath with a wolverine. They're as mean as they can be. They might have been filled someday in church camp when they started speaking in tongues, but they ain't filled anymore. And uh, uh, we've got to be all the time minding our cup, keeping it cleaned out, and keeping it full. So that's one of the things we do here and help people. Because as there's less and less red stuff, then he starts working on the yellow stuff because you're the one that keeps inviting the red stuff in. And there's too much of you, too. So then he starts crucifying chunks of you. So you'll get out of the way. So there's more and more of him. People that typically have estranged relationships with Earth Dad died when they were young, went to jail, never around, super busy, very important. Children should be seen and not heard, whatever. They tend to learn to depend on themselves. So there's a lot of self, there's a lot of yellow stuff, a lot of decisions they make on their own and kind of believe that God's somewhere in the background endorsing it, but it wasn't exactly something he said to do. And, uh, and, and, and with that comes loneliness and a distance and, uh, uh, an ability for the enemy to really get to them because they're, uh, using their own shields, their own protection, their own weapons, um, just just white knuckling it to uh to get through it uh instead of really being delivered and there has to be a point and maybe maybe that's already happened with you and we're just talking it through uh or maybe it hasn't yet but there there has to be a point at which there is really a lot of healing in that relationship with father god it it, 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 it there may be circumstances where there's no reconciliation going to be possible with Earth Dad. He's too big a jerk. He died. He's something that's not. The point isn't that uh, we've got to necessarily. I mean, we shouldn't have unforgiveness in our heart and resentment, and we should try to reconcile with whoever when we can. But one of the prophecies about the last days is that he's going to turn the hearts of the fathers to the sons and the sons to the fathers. And I think that really is about the Lord and, and about the father. And Jesus said he came to connect us to the father. You know, there are churches you can go to where they just worship the Bible and they will tell you that, you know, in the beginning was the King James and the King James was with God. And the King James was God <laughs> and don't expect to hear from Jesus. And, and the Holy Spirit's just for redemption, not for direction. And we're just going to worship the Bible. And then there's places you can go where they're really worshiping the Holy Spirit. And they just want a feel-good, fuzzy whatever and to roll on the floor laughing or barking or something. 
And it tends to become strange fire in both cases because you're, you know, if, if you're not putting him, have no other idols before me. That doesn't mean you're not to have any idols. That means you're, that he's to be the biggest thing that you worship. If you worship something else other than the father, he's going to show you how worthless it is. And somehow it's going to turn to be a curse to you, whether it's your wife or your job or yourself, uh, or a false spirit or the Bible or whatever. And so, and, and then there's people that worship Jesus as if that's the end all be all instead of that. He came to lead us into right relationship with the father. Anyway, um, so let me ask you some of the, some of the questions I normally ask folks, usually because I already know the answer, but, uh, to help them find, uh, the, see the, see the problem, how many times or how often do you hear the Lord say that he loves you? Occasionally. I get an impression that he is speaking to me. And I, I ask him, is that you, Lord? And I thought I, I've heard it several times. He said it, he said he loved me. Of course, I love the Lord, Doug. There's no question about that. And I know he loves me. Um, I've been raised in the church since I was two. And my, my first actual memory on this planet was playing in the uh, parsonage of a church that my grandfather Weber on my mom's side had built. You know, we had a godly heritage growing up. Sure. And just to make a short response here, uh, both sides of the family, both grandfathers were pastors. But on my mom's side, there was a blessing. You can see the godly heritage. On my dad's side, people died early. And I said, something's not right here. It was a bloodline curse. My dad's side, that was resulting in all the males dying in their 50s. And then on my mom's side, you know, people are living into their 90s, and my great-granny was 104. But we yeah. were raised from my earliest memory in the church. I used to go Wednesday night, Sunday morning, Sunday night. I love to be in the house of God. Uh, I have a great fear and respect for the Lord. And I felt the calling on my life for many years. And uh, I can tell you without a fact that God loves me because uh, to get me through some of the things I went through and some miracles that he's performed, even still performing, it was a miracle of God. But to actually hear him say, I love you, a few times, and um, some may hear dreams, visions, audibly. He has spoken to me that one time in a dream. Typically, though, when I ask of the Lord, I open up the Bible, my King James. It's like Al Cubbett says, he'll speak to you. I've read it my whole life. And God will speak to me directly through his word. doesn't happen every time, but major milestones in my life, I got a direct word. Sure. So... I feel that he loves me. Uh, I feel uh, I feel like uh, I have fallen short, and I've got a lot to make up for because when I actually went full on for the Lord, I was uh, uh, I was uh, it was 2010, 13 years ago. I, I was uh, excuse me, I was uh, 14 years. I was 40 years old. I'm 54 now. Up until then, I did a lot of stupid things. And just the mercy of God not to give up on me. Because I could sure. have died and been in hell with no excuse. I believe the Lord loves me. But at the same time, there's some things I have been seeking from the Lord that I've been seeking for decades and I have not um, gotten it resolved. So I realize me, there's still me, some problems.
problems let me con- with me. Let me let me share with you real quick. I, I get you. Back to and you. there's a lot of people, and 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 I'm not in any way questioning your faith that God loves you. Yes. Um, I had a really great dad. He was a pastor. I got I got his uh, his. His dad was one of five brothers, all went to World War II, all came back alive, uh, all served in churches or were missionaries in foreign countries. I have a long legacy wow. of, of, of pastors and teachers and nurses and servants of all kinds. I remember being 15, and Dad mentioned that a second cousin of great uncle Ray's kid's kid who I'd never met at a family reunion got a divorce and it shocked the whole family Wow! <laughs> and nobody it like, that's just not done. It's like, it was a big deal. Uh, anyway, I, uh, uh, my dad, uh, my mom and dad went to be missionaries in Mexico when I was six. I, I grew up me and my brother and them, and on this little island of, uh, of you know, whiteness in a sea of brownness, <laughs> and enjoyed it. But but he was always, I always knew that my dad loved me. I always knew that whatever I needed would be there. I, I knew that even if I broke it, he would fix it. I knew that even if I was caught. Uh, high on drugs, cross dressing, soliciting sex for the sheriff, he'd bail me out and let me come home. <laughs> Not that that ever happened. I'm just saying. Uh, he, he still, he's uh, 77, lives down in South Missouri, uh, donates to, to our ministry, um, donated a $28,000 RV last year. He didn't need any more. We sold it and fed people and, and is just absolutely on my side and always has been. And if everything hit the fan, um, even though they just moved from a bigger house down to a little patio home, I could still go sleep on his sofa for however long it took. I know that he loves me, and I always knew that he did. And so when I started hearing God, I expected that kind of relationship. And so for me, I wrote a book called Dialogues with God, where he said, just just start documenting some of our conversations. And this was a period in 2006 when I was out on the road, just me living in the van, staying wherever, here and there. I, I went 32, 32 states, 18,000 miles for six months, trusting God for everything. Turn left here, turn right, meet that guy. Divine appointments on every side, strangers putting gas in the car. Everything was totally directed by him. And uh, during that time, he was having me write down some of those conversations. And in one of those dialogues, uh, I started the prayer with, I love you, Lord. And he said, I love you too, son. I really like it when you start prayers like that. And so pretty much when it's just me and him, uh, I always start prayers with, I love you, Lord. And then I don't say anything else till I hear him say, I love you too. And um, I pretty much most days I get up in the morning, uh, put on the shirt he tells me to wear, put on the pants he tells me to wear, uh, 
eat when he tells me, eat what he tells me. When I go to the Chinese buffet, I pick the crab rangoon or the piece of watermelon he tells me um, because I'm scared to death to do my own thing when I know the creator of the universe could be directing all the time. And there, if I was on an island all by myself, I wouldn't need to paint a face on a volleyball to have somebody to talk to because I was lonely because I'm in constant conversation and communion with God all the time because nobody told me that you couldn't do that. And I started meeting people that heard him more like that. And I said, well, you know, well, well, well I'm a kid. Well, you love them more than me. What's the deal? You know, I, I met a guy that had a full on Christophany. He was, he went up to a cabin in the woods, borrowed a cabin from a friend. He went up there to kill himself. He's standing in the bathroom about to slit his wrist and Jesus shows up behind him in the mirror, spins him around and says, your mind gives him a hug and, and starts directing everything and radically flips him around and makes him a mighty man of God. And I believed him. And, uh, the Baptist pastor said all that stuff was hogwash, but boy, the story was more credible than the Baptist pastor. So, um, so I said, Lord, what's the deal? How come uh, I'm meeting all these people that had this road to Damascus kind of you show up and tell them what and change their life around and, you know, I know you love me. Well, how about me? And uh, one day in 2005, he showed up. I was praying in my furniture store and kind of pacing around where everybody was gone and it was closed and didn't want to go home because my wife thought I was crazy and I'm just praying and Jesus showed up at my furniture store and, uh, that, that video is on the website too. Uh, anyway, uh, I guess what I'm trying to tell you is, uh, uh, I expect him to instantly be present, kissing my boo-boos, paying my bills, telling me everything's okay, directing the ministry. We talked last week about the the thrift store that the morning I get up that morning, he says, time to start a thrift store. I go looking for space, find a space, talk to the guy, agree to the lease. And, and two hours later, get a donation for $3 million worth of paper towels and toilet paper and stuff to fill the store. Amazing. Twice, twice what will even fit in the store. You can't build barns faster than God can fill them. Um, all, and that was one day, all in one day, you know, and, and I've got, I've got an endless, endless list of, of divine appointments, um, because I want to hear exactly. And, and, and I want to have the kind of relationship that is, that is so absolutely trusting and faithful that I know that he's going to answer me. So when somebody, when, when I hear, uh, God say, Hey, you need to give, uh, Suzanne some money and single mom, three kids. I'm like, uh, okay, Lord, I assume any good thing pops into my head is him because if it's, if me left to my own devices just wants to sit around and scratch himself, you know, I mean, there's no, there's no good thing in me. And, and so, uh, I, I feel, Hey, I, you know, you need to give her 50, you need to give her some money. I'm like, okay. Uh, then I start the 20 questions game. 
Um, because Satan can't play. Satan can put a thought in your head, but he's not going to play a full game of chess with you. Um, when it's when it's in your head, it's not out loud. So I'm like, okay, Lord, I praise your holy name. Glad to do that. You want me to give her more or less than fifty bucks? More, okay, more or less than a hundred, less. And this might go, this might take hours. You might have to get a dream about it. It might take days. This is the kind of stuff. Gideon, okay, I want the fleece wet and the ground dry. Well, that, that could have happened some. Okay, I want the ground dry and the fleece wet. You know. So I'm like, okay, Lord, uh, more or less than a hundred, less. Uh, 90 less, 80 less, 70 more. Okay. So we play this. Okay. 77 more, 50 more, 60 more, 70. Okay. Two. And, and so I give her a check for $77 and 62 cents and she bursts into tears. Cause that's the exact amount she needed for her water bill. And, uh, if I'd have gave her 50 bucks, she'd have been grateful and been glad, and the Lord almost got me there, and I'll scrounge up the pillows in the sofa and find the rest. If I'd have gave her 100 she'd been grateful. Oh, thanks, the Lord provided, and I got ice cream for the kids. But when you give them, to the penny, the exact amount that they're looking for, they know that was God. And uh, I, 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 I'm spoiled, absolutely, because running a homeless shelter it's really rare. We got a lot of orphans around here. It's really rare to have people that were blessed with the kind of dad I was blessed with. And I know how much advantage it has been in my relationship with God. And I wrote about it because I want people to understand that however good a relationship you have with him, however personal, however instant, however real, there's more. It could be way better. And it, and, and it should be. And if it's not, it's probably because we're satisfied with what we have or we don't think it could get better or we don't believe he, he, our, our dad is real busy running the universe and he doesn't really have time for me, so I'm not going to bother him much. Or, or some other nonsense thing that we've picked up along the way that's less than instant, immediate, complete, husband, brother, savior, um, walking beside us, holding our hand, you know, getting us through anything all the time. Um, I can, I, you know, uh, I've, I've waded into knife fights. I've all kinds of stuff because I, I, I'm not afraid. Uh, you know, my dad's with me no matter what. Leonard Ravenhill had a quote. He said, uh, I've got the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and two-thirds of the angels on my side, and you want me to lay down and cry? <laughs> I'm going to be demoralized when I recognize that we're the winners? You know, like, why Why do we have half the church on antidepressants and anti-anxiety? Except that they're, they're lonely, they're despairing, they're angry, they're resentful, they're under generational curses, there's something that's keeping them from walking in the fullness of relationship with a living Savior that's alive and well and they should be in communion with all day, every day. Uh, in, in, in the book I talk about, uh, uh, there, there was a sister that I counseled with one time and she was the 12th kid with 11 brothers. She was the youngest uh, uh, in, lived in Hawaii, grew up in Hawaii and 
she was the princess. I mean, her dad, always she always got whatever she wanted. She was never spanked, never got a timeout. She, she was just uh, queen of the world. Uh, adored by the brothers, adored by her dad. And when I met her, uh, she was suffering with Crohn's disease and fibromyalgia and some other physical stuff and was furious uh, with God because uh, she wasn't healed and was unwilling to even consider the possibility that it might be discipline, that he might be trying to teach her something, that she needed humbling, that he wasn't a sugar daddy in the sky that just did whatever she wanted on a whim or whatever. There, There's rampant theology of one sort or another that he, you know, there's a, there's a church here in town uh, called, uh, well, never mind what it's called, but when they do the offering, everybody holds their envelope over their head. God loves me. I'm getting a raise. I'm getting a new car. God is going to multiply this 70, a hundredfold. And, and I just want to throw up. <laughs> you know, I'm like, what happened to the left hand not knowing what the right hand is doing? But you're, you're just going to measure God's love for you in, in terms of finances. Uh, you know, well, that pastor's real successful. He's got a Rolex and a jet plane and he must be doing great. God's really blessing him. Well, you know, God's economy is built on scar tissue and tears. And uh, the gold that you rack up in heaven really doesn't have anything to do with the gold you rack up on earth. Uh, unless you're using it for the kingdom the right way. Anyway, uh, I, 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 I love you, Shannon. I've, I've been for you for as long as I've known you. We talked on the phone several times when we weren't on a show together um, and prayed for you a lot over the years um, Thank you, for you to really be directed by the Lord for, for, for you to find uh, to, to really get in the, uh, the stream of exactly where he wants you so that he can push you along, you know, that the, the, not on the banks of the river, but right in the middle where you can make really good time and, you don't have to paddle anymore because the current's pushing you where where you're supposed to go, and uh, I hope I hope that uh, you feel like you're getting closer to that. But I, I want you to be in in the fullness of the love of the Lord, and and the presence and the and the um if we when when dads aren't around, the kids grow up too fast, and. They end up having to do so much themselves or raise their little brother or be latchkey kids or whatever, and um, they lose that sort of that faith like a child where they just know that they know that my dad can kick your dad's butt. My dad is Superman. My dad is always going to come for me, and and uh, you can't talk me out of it. Um, you you got to do a lot to a kid to destroy their relationship with their dad. I mean, to really make them hate him, you gotta, you gotta really do some horrible, nasty stuff to a kid because we're hardwired to really believe when we, it's when, when, when we grow up, dad is God, dad is Superman and he's our protector and our provider. And, and as we're looking at carnal things, 
he's God to us. As we grow up and set aside carnal things and reach into the spiritual things, there should be a smooth, even uh, transition uh, from earth dad to father God, where he's our provider and protector, and we know that he loves us. And, and it's a, but, but Satan can spike that by Homer Simpson and King of the Hill and making fun of men and destroying families and putting them in prison and everything else or raised by two moms or whatever it is, we end up not being able to have a right relationship with Father God because we don't even have a father. We never had a father. We don't understand fathers or fathers were jerks or whatever. And uh, it's, it's so much of why you know, communist manifesto kind of stuff is to destroy the nuclear family because Satan's behind it and Satan hates fathers and Satan hates God, the father. And he knows that, um, if he can get us to where, you know, I don't need a man in my life. Well, then you don't need Jesus and you don't need father God. And, um, you think you're going to just rebuke stuff in the name of you and Satan's got you right where he wants you because that's not going to work. Um, anyway, so w- what I'd like to do for, for you, uh, and I'm, I'm trying to navigate this cause I'm not expecting you on your own show to confess a whole bunch of whatever. Well, I want to tell you straight <laughs> up. I, I want to tell you straight up. Um, I had a conversation with the Lord in prayer in the past few weeks. And I said, Lord, if there's a problem, it's on my end. It's not with you. Yeah. Uh, I've done some stupid things. I got myself in some financial debt over the last uh, two years. And uh, I'm, I've literally come to understand the true meaning of the borrower's slave to the lender. So we've been living by faith. Now, we've been living by faith, my family and I, since God called me to this in 2010. He told me to go speak his word and Along the way, we've had some tough times, uh, but God uh, was never late. He's always met met our needs. Yeah, I've never seen the forsaken, the righteous forsaken of the seed begging bread. That's been a, a thing that I've been battling with. I said, God, I've got to get out of my financial debacle, and I've been asking the Lord to let me go back and um, start a business again because that's what I was doing before I began this back in 2010. Well, I believe he gave me the green light to do it in 2024, so I took a part-time job, which I'm working, more like a full-time job, in addition to Mega Man, and then uh, I've started a supplements company, and uh, it hasn't made any money yet, but at least I've got something rolling, first time in, you know, 13 years. So I said, praise yeah. God, Father, I, I got myself in this situation, I need to get out of it, and I'm going to need some income to do it. And uh, so, I, but I, I, my prayer is, uh, Lord, it not my will, thy will be done. If you don't want it to happen, then so be it, shut it down. And I'm praying that way with every aspect of my life. So uh, that's positive. And uh, a few weeks ago, I was reading the Word, and I came across the passage, Doug, that says, uh, The fear men bringeth the snare, but those who put their faith and trust in God shall be safe. And... Uh, I have battled with fear over the course of my life and I believe God has delivered me of it about 90 
5%. But being part-time watchman also, and just being plugged in like a lot of people are to what's going on at the, the globalist level, and then having to really live here on the ground and being locked out on an island for two years where I couldn't leave, or I wouldn't be able to get back to my family, we were put through some roughage. I've been through roadblocks, sure. could have been arrested here, put into a health prison for not being vaxxed. And, you know, that's just my story. People may have had it worse than that. And so coming out of that, you know, uh, who hasn't been traumatized by that? And then these jackasses don't want to relent. So about two months ago, I was still heavy into every day going over and watching the redacted program or some other programs I won't mention to get my daily dose of end-time news. And it put me in such a state of mind that, you know, a lot of times just feel desperation. God, what can we do? Even the devil's going to make war on the saints to wear us out. Doesn't seem fair. How do we fight back? And uh, I had to get myself about a year ago uh, up from a position where I was just almost in a, I was sick. I was in a, you know, just, have I missed God somewhere? What the hell's the next thing that we're supposed to go through? And it was almost like the leper said, the leper, why sit here till we die? So God got me up. We were a couple hundred shows short of the 10,000 mark. Didn't know if I'd make it to 10,000. But he got me back up, and for four months straight, we did shows seven days a night, seven days a week. God said there was a a blessing waiting at 10,000. When we got to 10,000, which was 600 shows ago, uh, God opened up the door. I was on Word Network. So God uh, brought the pastor where he'd give me. We'd be on TV. We did that. Fast forward. Um, I just feel so stagnated that we decided to change the schedule around, and I went to a, a daytime schedule. Tried that for a while, and I just keep plowing. Haven't quit, but still just felt this fear and boating over, you know, of the new world order. Worried that even if I leave Bali, what the hell happens if I'm abroad and they do a lockdown? Could I get back to my family? So I would love to have come back to America for a visit. Uh, and for a while, I couldn't physically do it. But now the door is open, and I'm contemplating right now. I said, God, I would like to go back to uh, America at the end of this month, if possible, go up to the Hegwish Conference. But I said, uh, got to have some resources to do it. But secondly, more importantly, is that your will? I don't want to take a chance and jeopardize that something can happen while I'm abroad and not be able to get back to my family. But back to that verse, I read that verse, Doug, and it really set me free. I stopped watching the end-time news programs, although I still uh, get some information. We did a program on end-time last night, but I'm not fixated on it anymore. God just delivered me of it. And to hell with Klaus Schwab and their plans. You know, fact is, right. I was ensnared with the fear of man. And uh, the Lord has tried to deal with me at various times. In fact, one time, when I say fear, I'm not talking about huddling down. I mean, I'm, I'm one that will be proactive. I've had gun stores before. I've had money. And uh, I was stocking up to build a small militia in 2005 to fight the government if I had to defend me and my family. When the Lord told me, he said, some trust in horses and some trust in chariots, but we remember the name of the Lord our God. You know, if I was in fear, I wouldn't be living in the largest Muslim nation in the world. So that level of fear, that doesn't affect me. But in time news, uh, I can't say I was delivered of it. And, uh, you know, if I felt I needed to build a bunker, that's what I would do. 
In fact, um, I had every other preparation done. Millions of rounds of ammo, enough uh, guns to supply a local police department, four bulletproof vests, double sets of night vision goggles, sniper scope. I was a gun dealer. I could buy anything I wanted. And the business was thriving. The only thing I didn't have was a nuke silo. And as God is my witness, if the economy had held out in 2008 for another year, I would have probably bought a decommissioned missile silo. But that wasn't what God wanted me to do. That was insanity. You know, I was being driven by spirit of fear. Now, fast forward 15 years later, God delivered me of all that. But, you know, even the last six months, I've had this fear and dread of the New World Order and just feeling this foreboding heaviness. And when I see this verse a month back, the fear of man bringeth the snare, but those who put their faith and trust in the Lord shall be safe. God delivered me of it. And uh, I praise God for that. Now I'm considering, like I said, getting on a plane. I haven't been back to America in seven and a half years. I can't bring my family back, or I, I would at this time, but it would have to be me. But I need to go back and do some things. So I was praying. I'm sorry to be long-winded. I said, uh, I said to the Lord, you know, Lord, I would like to go back. Give me a sign that you want me to do it. Give me peace about it. Open up the door, but if there's danger for me, shut it down. Uh, I wanted to start a business. I said, but God, I don't want to partner with anybody. I want you to be my partner. Uh, And I believe God is cool with that. You know, I'm seeking the Lord and in all my ways acknowledging him that he will direct my past. Yeah. I said that to lead up to what I said to the Lord in the last maybe two weeks, last month. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing. You know, I can see God's hand on us. He is taking care of our needs, not my greeds. But I said, I'm still in some, I still need some answers. I said, God, if there's something inside of me, and I always want to have this attitude that doesn't belong, I want it out. And I tell that to anybody else. I'm sure I need more deliverance. Maybe I'll get some tonight. The other thing, uh, Doug, I am seeking the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I've been asking the Lord for that for 30 years. To my knowledge, I've never blasphemed the Holy Spirit, but there's some blockage. Now, I know that the gifts of God, He gives out severally as He wills. Uh, and I've had, I've had conversations with three people up to this point. I used to speak in something that sounds to some people like tongues, but I think it's a made-up language. And I can do it tonight for you, and some people may be convinced it is, but I was almost half convinced and opened up the word, and I found a verse, and God spoke to me that night and said, this is not of him. So as far as I'm concerned, he has never given me that gift, and my question is why? Because people have condemned me. I had one guy that dogged me for two years. He said, you don't have the Holy Ghost. And others have said, you can't cast out a demon without the Holy Ghost. Well, the Bible doesn't say that. Nor does the Bible say everybody is going to get the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Paul said, do all speak in tongues? No. Do all prophesy? Do all have the gift of healing? No. God gives them several as he will. We're to desire the best gifts. But that particular gift, I've been seeking for 30 years. I can remember back in the the 90s asking God, God, I'd like to receive, I'd like to speak in tongues. And for a long time I felt it was just like, you know, uh, a badge of honor I needed to collect, but then I repented of that and realized, you know, God, I really need every gift of the Holy Spirit. I think he's given me a gift of discernment. I know he has blessed me and given me power to cast out demons in his name. We can even get demons to manifest. Others can't. God just uh, tapped me to do that because uh, I want to get some payback on the enemy. I don't have any fear yeah. of the demons. But 
I realize I'm not all that I can be. And so I said, God, if there's, I need deliverance. If there's something in me, it needs to come out. And number two, I need to know why. What is the blockage? Now, my grandparents on my mom's side spoke in tongues. My mom and dad didn't. Uh, they respect tongues, but they just didn't. I never have to my knowledge. And I want every gift that God has. At the same sure. time, I got people dogging me, saying there's something wrong with you. You don't have the Holy Ghost, and I don't appreciate that because that's not biblical. But at the same time, right. I want to know, is there a blockage what it is? Because well, I feel let's talk like about a, that for a minute because that's a common thing. I hear it all the time. Uh, I feel like a, a second-class citizen. As soon as somebody starts speaking in tongues, there's a demon right there, right there telling them, you're grieving God, it's not real don't do it, whatever, trying to talk them out of whatever it is the Lord's given them. Uh, uh, they have a dream or, or have discernment of spirits and there's a demon right there saying, oh, that's not real, you made it up, it's your imagination, something. Um, when I got uh, prayed for, for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I had a vision of, because I wasn't praying for tongues, I was praying to see through the eyes of Jesus. And he gave me a vision of how bad things are and how much we're in trouble and how much we need to do something about it. And my responsibility for the years I wasted and the people that would have been reached that weren't and the people they would have reached and weren't, and it was horrifying. And uh, during the vision, I'm groaning and twitching and have like an ice pick in my chest. And after that, I couldn't pray without screaming or groaning. There was no words. Uh, it didn't come out in tongues. It was just screaming. Wow. And um, we sat down. After about a half an hour of me wailing uh, and twitching and, and snotting on one of their kids that was there praying for me, <laughs> you know it's the Holy Spirit when the string of snot reaches the floor and you don't care. Um, and I'm, I sit, we sit back down around the circle, and one of the old Pentecostal ladies uh, says, uh, I can see God's really working on you. Don't feel bad you didn't speak in tongues right away. I'm like, honey, I, I ain't here for that. I didn't ask for that. That's not even on my radar. In fact, I think it's creepy. I was here for wisdom, and he wrecked my world, and I'm never going to be the same. Don't bother me with the fine print right now. And then they went around the room talking about how they got it a week later or a month later or after people prayed for them. And I'm like, do you realize the pressure you're putting on somebody to have an experience that you didn't even have? And, and judging, you know, the, the, the guy that was there, the ministry head, uh, is in New Zealand now. He's not even allowed back in the United States uh, after I gave him a word that he rejected and God threw him out. But uh, he, he still, I think to this day, doesn't believe that it, was, that it was tongues. For six months, I can only pray. I have to go in the van away from the neighborhood because it scares the neighbors <laughs> and wakes up my family. Wow. And and it would burn my throat out just and and just screaming, just wailing for how bad things are and how much we're in trouble and the burden that he put on my heart. And finally, I I was singing in church one day and I realized I opened my mouth and there's like three notes that don't come out anymore. Like like it's just burned out of my vocal cord. You try to sing that note and nothing happens because that's that's where I was. I screamed a hole in it, and uh, I said, "Lord, I'm I'm not going to be able to talk if this keeps up." And He said, "You know, it doesn't really matter how loud you are. It just matters how much you mean it. Shift it down in your chest and 
let it rumble around you don't have to be so loud and that saved my vocal cords but a lot of times i'll be praying and somebody looks over and says did you just growl at me i'm like no i'm screaming at the top of my lungs for you i'm just trying not to let it out as much as possible so it doesn't disrupt everything uh it wasn't until six months six six months later that uh that finally I got something linguistic and when I did it was a complete language package with interpretation and singing in tongues and interpreting other people's tongues and something very Native American sounding not like the bought a Honda should have bought a Honda that I heard everywhere else Uh, bought a Honda should have bought a Mazda anyway uh, so I know that I, 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 I came into my office one day my furniture store and uh, a family of missionaries from uh, Canada was sent by God to volunteer at my for-profit business. And we were having prayer meetings, people getting saved and delivered, and these are crazy, radical uh, missionaries. In fact, the guy I told you had a Christophany in the cabin up in the woods. And I came in one day and I said, hey, this groaning thing that I'm doing, uh, is that tongues? And he's like, oh, yeah, when an intercessor is under a humongous burden, and they can't, uh, the, the Romans, Romans 8 says that it, we don't even have the words for it, so the Holy Spirit grieves, groans through us. In fact, Jesus spoke in tongues, and he didn't speak in the regular linguistic tongues that everybody gets. He spoke in the powerful one. And it says, uh, the biggest miracle he did, the one that got him killed, on the way to the tomb of Lazarus, it says twice that he groaned within himself and wept. And uncontrollable tears are absolutely tongues. There are times where nothing else works, and the Holy Spirit uh, is going to come out of you um, in, in travail. And, in fact, the Bible says to raise up your wailing women, and, and the, that during the siege of Jerusalem, the men will growl like bears and coo like doves because of, because of the burden, because of how bad things are. So uh, there are a number of people that I've run into over the years that didn't get a linguistic tongue, but they did pray somehow in a, in a very spirit-controlled, spirit-led, uh, spirit-anointed way. Well, I'll tell you this. I meant... Uh, yeah. to, to interject, raising the Pentecostal church, the Church of God, Cleveland, Tennessee, we heard tongues in the church. And... Uh, I know t- I know real tongues, and then I know the interpretation of tongues, and so praise God for that. Many people had that gift, and it was an operation in the church. And there would be some people who just get up and blurt out, and then my grandfather's pastor would say, "You know, wait for the interpretation to be you know, some silence, and then someone to interpret." Sometimes God would give him the interpretation of that. My grandmother, of course, had that gift, and many times she would pray for me, and she would speak in tongues. And then she would give an interpretation or the message that the Lord had uh, after she had prayed and the uh, prayer went up to the throne room. I know the prayers were getting to the Lord and when she prayed in tongues and we would get an answer back. I hear some stuff today and I, I'm very careful, but inside myself I say, man, that doesn't sound like uh, the tongues I'm familiar with. Uh, and then, of course, sure. there are some people out there that just say, you know, repeat after me, ba, 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 b, b, b. And then, yeah, oh, you got sure. it. I don't. If they got yeah. it, they got like one syllable. But I don't want to judge that yeah. because I don't want to run afoul of the Holy Spirit. Who am I to say? But uh, I do believe there's the authentic 
No question about it. It is for today. I want it. I want all the gifts, in fact. Uh, but at the same time, uh, there's been some kind of blockage here. In fact, I had a prophet pray for me in about 2010. And I had met this guy, and he said, what do you need? I said, I'm asking the Lord today for the gift of tongues. And he paused a long moment, and he said, the Lord told me not to pray for you for that. And I, I, don't, I don't understand that answer. And, of course, I said, well, I, I just don't understand. Uh, maybe it wasn't for that point in time, but I've continued to seek and continue to ask him all the time, even within the last month or two. I said, God, I need these power gifts for service. I mean, uh, we can cast out demons. Uh, in the name of Jesus, without the tongues. But I know I could be so much uh, more equipped for the service and go to the next level to have every gift that the Lord has. Others get it. Baby Christian just got saved today, and they get filled. Yeah. There's some kind of blockage, and I've been seeking the Lord. Is it a demonic blockage? Is there something to repent for? Is there a generational curse? Is that the gift that I don't get, but I get the other gift? You know, there's many gifts, but I genuinely am asking the Lord, and um, I don't have an answer why I don't have it. But that's why I okay, say well, I think there's something that I need delivered, if that guy, I'm willing for. If that guy said, if, if I heard from the Lord, don't pray for this person for the gift of tongues, it would either be because they already have tongues, but they don't know that what they have is tongues, and I need to help them see that, or it's just not time for them to have tongues because something's in the way. Okay, that makes sense. Um, yes. Because it's it's probably not that the Lord is just flat going to forbid that person to ask for tongues. Um, no, I, can, I, uh... I, I tend to tell people, don't ask for a particular gift. Just ask to be full of Jesus. And okay. the more your cup is full of Jesus, the more you're going to have peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, word of wisdom, word of knowledge, all that stuff comes as there's more and more of him and less and less of you. And um, uh, anyway, so... I think the most likely reason, in my experience, 20 years of doing this, of why somebody doesn't get the baptism of the Holy Spirit is because something inside them says, God doesn't really want to bless me all the way, or he's not really for me all the way, or he loves the other kids more than he loves me, or some other flavor of dad filter. That's almost always the case. And when we deal with that, it looses all the blessing that somehow they were keeping at arm's length because um, they th- 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 didn't fully trust him or didn't fully, you know. Uh, one one more quick story. There was a lady um, that came to an event that we were having. She was down in South Missouri, and a friend, another sister, brought her because she really needed prayer. She, do you remember the Drew Carey show back in the day? Uh, yes, sir. The guy with there the was this. Yeah, there was a character on there named Mimi who was very, very overweight, um, not attractive, with crazy makeup. And uh, this this lady that came, she worked at McDonald's, and she wore all these buttons and wore makeup almost like clown makeup. And she worked at the drive-thru, and everybody loved her. And they would smile at her, and they were so nice to her, and they were so happy to see her, and she was just, uh, would smile back at them, and no man in her life had ever told her she was beautiful. 
No man, her, not her kid, not her sons, not her husband, not her father, nobody had ever said, I love you, you're special, you're beautiful. So she did whatever she had to do so that somebody in her life coming through the drive through would smile at her and be nice to her. And um, immediately, uh, if you would ask her, have you heard God say that he loves you? No, never. Uh, God doesn't talk to me, and if he does, he's angry with me. Because I didn't do the dishes, or I didn't do this, or I didn't do something, or I should have done whatever, but I've, she'd never heard God say a kind word to her. And me and this other sister held her hand and prayed and said, Lord, whatever you gave to me, give it to her. Do whatever you got to do. We tried to show her it was a dad filter. We... we we tried to show her that it was it was something she'd imposed on God, and and she couldn't see it. But we prayed, Lord, open her eyes, show her, do something, whatever you gave me, Lord, give it to her. We can impart to people. Uh, the uh, Bible says, "The Spirit and the Bride say, Come, all who thirsty, come, thirsty, come and drink from the living water." We're the bride. We should be able to help them get their cup full. We we overemphasize tongues in the church you go down front and they have a little prayer huddle and everybody lays hands on you and you say me 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 and you, they're like there yeah, that was it uh, uh and and they think you're done but all the stuff's impartable i've imparted peace to people i've uh uh you know i, I had a gift of administration imparted to me by this apostle in houston i i can tell you where specific things in my cup came from and around here we have people walking in everything because nobody told us not to so I started I started visiting all these different congregations, and when I heard somebody speaking in tongues, and Lord, that's you. Oh yeah, that's me. Can I have that one? I've never heard that one before. Wow. Sure, I collected them like baseball cards because nobody told me not to. And when I finally met somebody that had the uh, interpretation of tongues, yes. uh, you know, I I made sure they prayed for me and sucked that out of their cup. You know, the the woman with the blood problem snuck up on Jesus. It's it's very much about the church in America. She'd been to all the guys with doctorates, and all they did was take her money and leave her worse off. But she knew if I can get to Jesus, I'll be okay. So, <laughs> good picture of the church in America. So she snuck up on Jesus, touched the corner of his prayer shawl, the most holy part of his prayer shawl, uh, the tzitzit on his talit, and sucked out the, the power that she needed. He didn't intentionally heal her. He stopped in the middle of the crowd, says, who touched me? And the disciples are like, what are you kidding? Everybody's touching you. Uh-uh. Somebody touched me different. Power, virtue has drained out of me. And he said, who did it? And she comes forward and said, it was me, and I can feel that I was healed. He said, go, your faith has healed you. She believed she could get it. She went, she knew she was thirsty. All who are thirsty, come and drink from living water. That means you have to acknowledge your needfulness, because if you're rich and uh, think you're in need of nothing, uh, when you're really blind, rich, naked, and poor, forget it. You're not getting nothing. You've got to recognize your needfulness, be thirsty, be hungry, go and get it, and then drink it in. And when you do that, uh, your cup's going to get full, and you're going to get what you need from him. And so uh, a broken and contrite vessel he will not despise, because they're the ones that are desperate. They're not content with where they are. Right. They know that they're they're little. They know that they need more, and that's when people get filled. And um, he, he, he a lot of times has to get us to that point so that we'll be thirsty, so that we can run to him. If we run to something else, uh, there's going to be trouble. But if we run to him, we, he's faithful and just. 
uh, to give us to give us. You can't tug on mom's shirt and say, "I'm hungry, I'm hungry, I'm hungry," for very many times before she's going to feed you, or she's a monster. You know, if she's a good mom, it only takes a couple, and she's going to give you what you need. And and he's he's the best there is. You know, as you anyway, were uh, so, saying this, uh, being I'm just being transparent. I don't care who's listening or not. I, I'm here to get anything the Lord has for me tonight. Uh, I would say I still suffer from rejection from the father after that divorce and abandonment. And I can tell you a couple times as I was older where I traveled down to Jacksonville to see my dad at various times. And uh, I was an adult at that point. And he welcomed me in the home. And although uh, I hadn't lived with him in years since I was eight. And I had uh, four half-siblings that had replaced me and my brother. They were there. They had never been affected like we had been affected. They had no... Uh, frame of reference to feel how we felt but I, I felt uh, like I belonged again you know I'm the oldest son by the way uh, yeah. of of uh, six boys that my father had and one girl but there were various yeah. times where I felt like I was welcome and you know uh, I'm in my dad's house you know I'm I'm welcome here you know versus uh, you're not you know you go in and you feel like a stranger you're not even welcome to open a refrigerator no I, I felt welcome and I, I said, it really feels good. Uh, but I only felt that a few times here. I think my brother and I, definitely, we would both say tonight, rejection from the Father and abandonment, we still need deliverance yeah. from. But back to the tongues, I can speak for you right now in some language that could very well be uh, something that created by my mind. It might be legitimate. I don't know, but I've never had anybody interpret. So unless someone were okay. to interpret, then I have to assume that... Uh, now that might fool some people I don't know what that is is that a man-made language but I've been able to speak like that since I was seven but no one has ever no. interpreted it so as far as I know it's bogus and uh, I'm back no. to square one God no, 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 what's no, wrong no, with no, me that's him no 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 that's him that's him that's him I consider myself half intelligent though Doug and I also have to be on the lookout for pride and arrogance. But I'm at the I'm at 54. I realize I'm nothing without the Lord. I went as far as I could under my own power, and I need the Holy Ghost power at this point, or I'm just stagnated. And I said, God, I can't do it without your gifts. But sure. you got to show me. Okay, that, let's back, let's back up a minute. What's Shannon? going on? Because I do this a lot. People call me all the time. Can you verify if this is real or not? Yeah. Okay. Now, uh, there's a great YouTube video where ABC did a study on Pentecostal charismatic Christians, Catholic nuns, and Buddhist monks. And they put them in an MRI and watched the language center of their brain to see what happened when they prayed. And the linguistic center of your brain can only do one thing at a time. You can't write an, write an email and listen to your wife talk to you at the same time. Uh, you could probably do math and listen to somebody talk to you or play a card game and have somebody talk to you. But you can't, with understanding of both things, juggle them both at the same time. Okay, and in this, in this ABC video you can find on YouTube, the, when, the, when, the, when the Buddhist monks prayed, the linguistic center of their brain lit up. When the Catholics nuns prayed, doing the rosary or whatever, the, the linguistic center of their brain lit up. When the charismatic Christians prayed in tongues, nothing happened in the linguistic center of their brain. 
Paul says, I pray in the Spirit, my mind is idle. So I pray in my mind as I'm praying in the Spirit. I can pray in tongues and still have some other thing. I can be doing my laundry list. I can be doing other stuff in my head because it's the Holy Spirit praying out of me, which is what that MRI confirmed. And at the end of that, that video, they come up with, look, we're not saying this is God. We're just saying we can't explain this. <laughs> it shouldn't work like this. So when one of the things people call me and say, and, and this is for the audience and whoever's listening, uh, I think I'm making up my tongues. I think I'm just I'm just scatting like Ella Fitzgerald, making it up as I go, and it's entirely me. Okay, you pull up a computer, type in the red fox jumps over the lazy dog, and try to do that. Because you can't say that while you're typing something else at the same time. You can't do both. Uh, you might be able to go la, 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 and type something and tune out to what that, but you can't create syllables, make a sentence structure, give a message as you're typing something or, or reading something with understanding at the same time. If it's the Holy Spirit, it's a, it's, it's a separate mind. It's not your mind doing it. It's just you opening the door, letting it out. The other thing is when somebody when somebody starts praying and I'm supposed to judge whether it's the Holy Spirit or not. My rule isn't whether or not I get an interpretation. There's lots of tongues that aren't supposed to be interpreted. Personal if it's a message to the church, it should be interpreted. Paul says, right. if somebody stands up, gives a message, either seek the interpretation yourself or somebody else should interpret it and if nobody interprets it, then keep it between you and God. Lower your voice. In, in, uh, the rule we have in community, if it's loud enough for the whole group to hear it, somebody better interpret it. Uh, if it's just you quietly and the person next to you, that's just worship. That's just praise tongues, and that's between you and the Lord, whatever. Now, my exception for that is when you're doing deliverance, because the demon knows full well what you're saying. Nobody else, it doesn't matter if anybody else knows what it is or not, because the demon's getting the interpretation as the Holy Spirit yells at the demon. Um, but that's not typically in front of the whole assembly as a message to the body. So uh, when somebody when somebody does like that, gets on the phone with me or whatever, and says, "Hey, can you can you test this?" and rambles off for a minute, either all of my witchcraft buzzers go off and I want to smash it, and my nose crinkles up and I snarl at it, and the Holy Spirit in me is mad and I want to go after it, which I've heard from certain deacons that were Freemasons when they would pray in one of those prayer huddles and they're cursing the church or something else. Or I feel absolutely nothing because it's totally fake. Or the Holy Spirit in me wants to come out and play and pray in agreement because it's Him. Because it's worship. And when you started talking, immediately the Holy Spirit in me wants to pray in agreement with you. And I'm praying in tongues as you're praying in tongues because it's Him. Now, uh, when you pray in tongues, do you do, does it does do you feel anything as a result, or do you feel energy? In other words, I just said one day maybe this is tongues, and I just started speaking in it as I might speak in Spanish. I know a little bit of Spanish, and yeah. I just I just felt tired, uh, as I would feel tired living in uh, Costa Rica and just having to speak in Spanish, which was my, not my native tongue. I didn't feel energized. Uh, after I did it, uh, do you, what do you okay. feel when you speak in tongues? But you're still 
You're, no, that's not my experience. I could, I've, one night, um, I'm in bed with my wife on my arm, comfortable under a blanket. The Lord says, pray for her. And I prayed from midnight to 8.30 in the morning without falling asleep, woke up refreshed, constantly just running quietly under my breath, praying for her all night long in tongues. Uh, I, I'm not saying that happens all the time. A lot of times I'll fall asleep praying. But it uh, it should uh, edify you somehow. And sometimes that's an immediate change of the atmosphere around you where the, the depression or anger or whatever breaks and things get lighter because the enemy doesn't want to be around that. And so it's going to push them back farther. Um, sometimes it's warfare. When it's warfare tongues, it is exhausting. Um, it, it is... Uh, um, when I say exhausted, it just felt like such an effort. Uh, I want to believe it's tongues. Perhaps if it is, I'm bound well, from a spirit. The other of thing is, if unbelief. it's if you're you're taking it experimentally, like okay, let's just see what happens. But I'm I really doubt, or I'm not sure, or I got this thing in the back of my head niggling at me that is probably not real anyway. Uh, it's 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 not uh, wholehearted, you know. It, it's not in spirit and in truth because it's it's still held back and restrained and and uh, something. So I, I think. Uh, let me finish the story about the lady we prayed for, the the Mimi makeup lady. What happened to Mimi? We 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 held her hand and prayed, uh, Lord, whatever you gave us, give it to her. I've heard you for a long time. I've heard you say I love you. If I never hear you tell me you love me again, I've got enough in the tank to get me the rest of the way. Let it be her turn. Give it to her. And we held her hand, and we pushed. We It's like you ball up every good thing God's ever given you. Whatever treasure I have in heaven, whatever favor I have in your eyes, cash all my chips in and spend it on this lady, because this is a miserable, miserable life I wouldn't want for anybody. Please, Lord, change her. And I'm holding her hand, and the other lady's holding her hand, and about five minutes, she looks at me and says, God says I'm pretty. And, and we both smile at her and look at her, and and I feel drained. I, I did. I just poured out a bunch of stuff. And I'm going to have to go back to the Lord and get filled up later. But I'm so thrilled. And she's like, he says he loves me. Immediately. We're, we're at this community center, uh, and immediately the Lord says, go push her on the swings. You're my hands and feet. If I were there, I would do it. I want you to go push her on the swings. So we go out the back door while they're having this revival thing walk across this lawn to the swing set and she is prancing like the hippo in Fantasia <laughs> I can't even tell you she's twirling and dancing like a ballerina he loves me he loves me God says he loves me he says I'm beautiful and like he was tying ribbons in her hair and putting a tutu on her I don't even know but she was completely different and we go on the swings, and he says, just keep your mouth shut. I'll take care of it. And, and I'm pushing her on the swings, and he's being a dad to her from way back, like rebuilding from little kid stuff that was missed, and just completely transformed her life. Um, I, I've, I, there was another young lady. She had a terrible dad, terrible dad, and uh, was this anyway, doesn't matter, terrible dad. And uh, I held her hand across the table I said Lord give her whatever I got and prayed and pushed everything I had deep down 
squeezing up everything in me, Lord, please, please, Lord, really meaning it, as sacrificially as I can muster, Lord, give it all to her. And she looked up at me and said, I had a good dad. I'm like, yeah, I'm pretty sure you didn't. And she says, well, I feel like I did. And I think everything's okay now. And I'm like, okay, thanks, Lord. <laughs> you know, he can. You can be a different person one minute to the next. That's the amazing thing about the kingdom of God. And so uh, I think uh, I want to pray for you and for whoever else is listening. And um, we'll see what happens. How about that? Yes, sure. I, I, let me say this before you pray. I sincerely want all the Lord has for me. I realize, uh, apart from Jesus, we can't do anything. Because my mom taught me that so many times, and the Word says that. And yeah. I, at this juncture, Lord, help us. We're going to need everything we can. So I'm saying, God, load me up. I'd like to have all those gifts. You know, you said it says, does a man uh, give his son a a serpent, if you ask for a fish, or a rock, you know, if you ask for bread, paraphrase. Uh, so does your Heavenly Father want to give you good things, those who ask Him? So I've asked the Lord, Lord, give me not one, but give me multiple of these gifts. But there's some there's something strange that over the years, um, I can hear people speak. And for some reason, I don't mean to do it, but I can, I can imitate them. Um, I, for back when Obama was president, we'd hear him speak a lot. I guess I was listening to some of the news. People began to say, hey, you're beginning to sound like Obama on the program. And I went back and listened to some of the recordings. And said, it does sound, it sound like Obama. I can listen to certain people, and it's almost like a chameleon. Uh, I have some uncanny ability maybe to uh, copy them. And that has been my fear, that having been around genuine tongues, when I begin to... Uh, what I thought was making up this language when I was about seven, eight years old, well, maybe it was ten years old. I just thought it was something that I've I've heard enough of the legitimate tongues being in the in the church all my life that maybe I'm just um, copying it in some way, and it's like an imitation. And so uh, that stuck. Okay, me I hear you, but I'm now. telling you, when you opened your mouth, the okay. Holy Spirit in me wanted to come out and play and pray in agreement. And I'm telling you, as an expert with 20 years on the front lines doing serious deliverance on serious heart cases. Yes, sir. I mean, I'm, I'm not praying for pew-sitting little old ladies to, you know, what, I'm praying for guys with knives under bridges. And I'm telling you, uh, uh, if you want to test that, that Satan tells that lie to a lot of people, and I'm telling you, if you can sit and type something while you're letting that out, it is absolutely not you making it up cannot be you making it up and and i can give you other studies i can tell you brain studies linguistics whatever all kind of reasons you know to prove that but you cannot type a sentence that makes sense and let that out at the same time if you're making it up let me say one um, final thing to you and then i'm going to shut up when yeah. i went to hegwish baptist church in 2011 that was really prior to doing any deliverance I was sitting up there in their mass deliverance service, and uh, people were manifesting everywhere, and I'm hoping that I don't pop off and be the next one on the floor like this guy that was sitting next to me earlier drinking some coffee, Catholic brother. And uh, some people needed help, and they looked at me, and I was like, who, me? They said, yeah, you. They asked me to come up and hold this guy's leg down. 
And I got a little bit bored. The guy kind of calmed down. There was two of us on his legs and two guys up in the front ministering on his head. He was laid out on the ground. I kind of wanted to see what was going on, so I let his leg go, and I got up around his head. And I'm behind this guy's head, and I'm looking into the eyes of really what looked like a snake. They were crossed, glazed, and this demonized man manifesting had his head back, and his eyes were looking around, and he locked eyes on me, and he wouldn't let me go. And then all of a sudden he spoke, and he spoke to the two deliverance ministers and said, He doesn't believe. Ask him. He doesn't believe. I got so freaked out, Doug. I had two options. I could run or I could jump in the battle. So I grabbed a Kleenex and I put my hands on him and he spoke Spanish. So I said, Salen en nombre de Jesus Cristo. Come out in the name of Jesus. And uh, the battle ensued. There was a couple of us doing ministry to him. I'd never done it in my life. And next thing you know, uh, I mean, you know, hands on. We'd prayed over the phone, of course, but hands on. He began to cough out, the demon came out, and then it was like a manimal, the old series, a metamorphosis. I saw the glaze and the the um, the starry eyes transform back into human, and then he was like sitting up, where am I at? And he was so happy, he was free. But yeah. that's uh, that's stayed with me since, two th- since that time, 2011, uh, maybe 2010 rather. Demon said he doesn't believe. Ask him. He doesn't believe. And I was. I've, I've always asked myself, what does that mean? I don't believe. Well, look. If you you asked a guy to pray for you for the gift of tongues, yes, sir. And he said, and he said he heard from the Lord not to pray that. That's what he said. Not to pray for me for that. If if you've had the gift of tongues all along and you just don't believe it's tongues, okay, then him praying that would be denying the Holy Spirit. That's true. Yes, sir. And. And uh, uh, or God just doesn't want to give you what He says He'll give everybody if they ask, which doesn't make any sense. So, it, 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 and having heard your tongues and and confirming in my spirit that it is tongues, I think that what we have here is what what we're talking about the dad filter. Uh, uh, you like you had a dad, but uh, I don't know. Pretty much wasn't a dad. Kind of was, kind of wasn't. Can't really count on him. Have really no idea if he's reliable or not. And That's pretty true. much just got to pick myself up by my own bootstraps because you're not sure if he's really going to come through. Or And there are moments when everything's wonderful and you feel like you fit in and you're part of the family, but they're kind of rare and it's not the regular life. Uh, and it doesn't really make up for all the years of feeling put out, left out, made fun of, you know, whatever. Absolutely um, true. Yes, sir. Okay. So let me Thank pray you. for you. Thank you for hearing me out. Yes, sir. Over to you. We love you, Lord. The Bible says that we're to confess our sins one to another and pray that they be healed. That any among us are sick, we're to call the elders, lay hands on them by the prayer of faith, they'll be healed. And my brother Shannon... Is, has been obedient to your command in front of me and in front of witnesses he's confessed that that he's held you at arm's length at times that he's had trouble believing you that at times he's launched off on his own things and we're sorry Lord we recognize that some of this stuff he learned as a little kid and that he hadn't had the kind of role model he needed 
to know what a good dad you are, how faithful and reliable and true and available and real and ever-present you are. And we, he agrees, Lord, that he's put you in a box somehow, that he's limited you somehow, that, that negative expectations or doubt or fear or whatever has at times kept him from maybe the relationship you wanted to have with him. We're so very grateful that lately you've been showing him how much better it could be when you're fully in charge, that you've been putting a hunger in him because nobody comes unless you call. And, and even when we're one of yours, we get closer because you draw us, because you woo us. And, and you've been urging him to pray the kind of prayers that would change things, that would improve things, that would bring him closer to you. And I'm asking you, Lord, since we're doing what the Bible said, since we're humbling ourselves and coming to you, since we're confessing our sins to you, I'm praying, Lord, that you would heal him. I'm praying, Lord, that you would, that you would, that 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 lens that he's seen you through, that you would, that you would just crush it into a million pieces, that you would just vaporize it entirely and be whatever kind of dad you want to be to him, that you would define for him what a good dad you are. I'm asking, Lord, please, whatever good thing you gave me, even if I don't get it back, that you would give it to him, that you would show him how real and faithful and true you are. And anybody else that's listening, no matter what their dad was like and what they've been through, I'm asking you, Lord, to, to heal that in them. To bring them into the fullness of who they're supposed to be in Christ. The reality of what it means to walk with you, holding your hand with a living, available, real Messiah, Savior, Lord, brother, husband, father. I'm asking you, Lord, to take over his life. I'm asking you, Lord, to, to give us faith like a child, where we just know that we know that we know that our dad is bigger than your dad, that we know that everything's going to be okay. We don't, we don't believe for a second that God is our co-pilot, because we don't want to be anywhere near the steering wheel. We want to be in the car seat, in the back, enjoying the ride while dad drives to McDonald's and we're going to go see grandma. And we know that everything's right with the world because dad's at the wheel. I ask that you would, would bring a simplicity and a sweetness and a faith to Shannon's walk with a childlikeness that absolutely knows you're dependable. Even when you're not moving fast enough for us, even when it doesn't seem like you're fulfilling everything that you said you were going to do, we can still know that we know that you're right and we're wrong. That you've got everything under control, that, you're, that your promises are yay and amen, and that whatever you told us is going to happen one way or another. 
please Lord I'm asking we're running out of time I'm asking for right away I'm asking for a quick work I'm asking for like immediately Lord for more dreams and visions for more confidence in the gifts that you've given him for him to to be able to acknowledge steadfastly and firmly that, that the Holy Spirit is in him and doing things and that those are evidence of you having filled him bless your holy name we thank you and we praise you we know that you hear us when we pray so we thank you in advance how you're going to answer the prayers even as we're praying them I pray against whatever the enemy might have ever used to hold him down to keep him back to make him afraid self-condemnation fear resentment unforgiveness whatever it is stress and worry restlessness in the name of Jesus whatever it is however it got there I don't care if he let it in I don't care if he invited it it's got to go in the name of Jesus I'm asking you Lord how show him how to get his cup full and keep it full how to sneak up behind and grab the hem of your garment how to stick his face in the river that flows from the throne of God however you want to show him Lord but that every morning he would get his cup full and be able to keep it full, even as he's pouring out on people, even as he's pouring out on his show, that he that he would be able to walk in the fullness of what you have for him. We bless your holy name. We thank you, Lord. We ask you to get this to everybody who needs to hear it. We praise you. We thank you. We pray all of this right to the big throne. Abba Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ Amen I receive that in Jesus name Amen Well Shannon I'm going to be on the show again uh, on Absol- Friday Absolutely I expect an update of uh how already the Lord is showing you what a good dad he is. He's the best. And, you know, I get angry. I've gotten angry at God, even, even uh, you know, recently, saying, God, why have you done this for me or that? And I have to repent because I realize uh, God's incapable of making a mistake. If there's any problem, it's not coming from him, his end. It's coming from my end. Lord, show me the sin to repent of. Show me what I need to forgive. Deliver me of what I need to be delivered from but uh god is perfect he doesn't make a mistake and you know just like that word the fear of man bringeth a snare but him who put their faith and trust in god shall be safe i've read that before maybe others have too did we believe it when we read it if we don't believe it we're double-minded we're unstable in our ways either god's word is true or it's not and it is true so i got to think that's right you know what sure it ensnares and if i'm if the problem is I'm worried about my safety. It says I shall be safe. I know the angel of the Lord encamps about those that fear the Lord to deliver them. And God hasn't given us a spirit of fear. So I'm going to say that took me to the next level of my deliverance on fear. And uh, actually, to tell you the truth, it took away all desire to feed the spirit of fear inside of me that was going over there and looking for my daily dose of end time fear. 
I got to be careful when I say that, though, because there is a legitimate watchman ministry, and I think that I'm called to a watchman ministry as well. But you know, I know some people that have overdosed on it, and yeah. uh, and that's all they're fixated on, and they don't have the joy of the Lord. They've just got fear and dread. Some of them need deliverance. I'll be honest with you. So yeah. uh, you got to have a balance in it all. But at the same time, you know, uh, we should know what the enemy's planning and uh, understand well. That means more important than ever before. The urgency is there that we get about the Father's business, and you know, if we got to lay our lives down, that's what I love about your ministry name, the Fellowship of the Martyrs. Because you know, uh, it could very well be that many of us are tuning in tonight. If we live long enough, and we're in the time of the end, we might be asked to lay down our lives as a martyr. Well, I mean, that's that's the Christian walk, isn't it? Laying our down our lives down every day, yes. being crucified daily getting getting pieces of us killed off that are in his way all the time you know and the lord told me back 2005 i was never to shoot a gun again wow and uh i i took that to mean that if i'm in the woods running from the cops and i'm hungry he's going to have a deer commit suicide in front of me so i'll have something to eat (laughs) but i don't get to take matters into my own hands even for that he said i was never to raise my fist in anger to somebody Never to smoke, get a tattoo, drink, or shoot a gun ever again. Wow. And that's about faith, you know. Yes, uh, About fully trusting him that he, you know, there's a, a prophet guy I know named Brian Huberts. And he had a dream, oh gosh, forever ago, 20, 15, 20 years ago. And in this dream, there's a young woman in a sundress with a baby in the winter, barefoot, running through the woods in the snow and she's not dressed right she doesn't have shoes she, she's running through the snow uh, with this baby and you can hear uh, bloodhounds barking in the distance Wow! and you know that she's being chased um, and but she's hungry and she's threadbare and raggedy uh, there's no emotion on her face no fear on her face she's hungry so she stops reaches in a little pocket on her sundress and pulls out an apple seed and sticks it in the ground and steps back to watch an apple tree grow fully flower and fruit in front of her grabs some of the fruit and keeps running and he sought the Lord on it and the Lord said this is a picture of the bride and the man child during tribulation Wow! they'll be uncomfortable they'll be under equipped but they'll have the faith to know that I will grow a tree in front of them if they're hungry. That's amazing. And God can certainly manifest that. He did it for the children of Israel. The water, the manna drop. Uh, And you know what? If uh, we're not afraid to die for the Lord Jesus Christ, there's not much more the enemy can do but kill us. He's not going to do that unless God allows it. So that's what the enemy's afraid of. People that are saying, hey, Today's a good day to die for the Lord Jesus. And until I die, I'm going to give the devil hell. Take some demon yeah. scalps for Jesus. Unlike your, mili- yeah. your, your militant attitude towards the enemy, and that's been an earmark uh, of you that I've seen from the very beginning when you wrote that deliverance manual yeah. on all these weapons that we can use against the enemy. That, that got me excited. In fact, I want you to mention where people can get that now. Uh, Doug is going to be back Friday at uh, 9 p.m. Eastern, uh, which is, you're on Central Time, is that right? 
Right. 8 right. p.m. your time. And, uh, Doug, you yeah. told me also to remind you, uh, one of these programs, there's some kind of miracle uh, testimony you wanted to share about Kansas. But um, I'm sure there's been oh, a yeah. lot of them. I don't know which one that was, but I'm sure there's many. But uh, whatever the Lord gives you to share, this is your time. So I just want to say I'm thankful, man, to be able to have you back and uh, build a relationship with you again and get these programs going. The enemy uh, was in stopping us from doing programs back then over something stupid and that I, I should have just uh, picked up the fault and we resolved whatever the thing was. But forgive me for that, as I mentioned last time, but I am so excited to be back with you. And I know it's... Uh, well, one of the things... We, uh, 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 the Bible says that, that peace isn't going to come until we acknowledge those that come in the name of the Lord. Yes. And... And I guess that means acknowledging who's not coming in the name of the Lord, too. You can't just think everybody's on his side. But uh, the Lord was very specific about using this time to minister to you. Um, I don't think people come on your show for that. And I am grateful for uh, attention and donations and people hearing what the Lord put on my heart to say. But you're also a warrior. And... I have a responsibility to equip and prepare uh, as, a, as a drill sergeant or wh- whatever my role is exactly in this army. I'm supposed to uh, equip and, and ship uh, warriors out as fast as possible, as well equipped as possible. And if there is some blind spot, if there is something they're not good at, if there's some, some training piece missing in their arsenal, I, I want to be able to be used by the Lord to, to help with that gap. And it's not a knock on them. It's not judgment. Yeah, yeah. It's not uh, coming at them as as a shortfall. But you know, it, you had no control over the dad you had, and neither did I. But I can see how my dad uh, was was super beneficial in in helping me to more easily have the kind of right relationship with God. But I've seen people whose dads was horrible. And, and and they open their heart to God fully, and he did that healing in them. And so I know he can get people there, that it's not un- insurmountable. But uh, I love you. I want to make sure that I acknowledge those who are a gift to the bride and that I am a blessing to them. And uh, so that maybe others can learn how important it is to to wash feet. To, to minister to the to those that are out there doing the hard work. There is nobody, I don't know anybody, doing three or four hours a night every day of the week for how many years, 10,000 shows. I got 2,000 videos, and that was exhausting. Um, you know, people, uh, the, the body ought to uh, do more to take care of those that are out there with holes in their own shoes, worrying about their own kids getting fed, doing the hard work of the gospel um, with little or no thanks. But as for me and my house, we love you, we're for you, Thank you and we want to bless you as, as best we can. Doug, I love you too. And uh, that's an answer to prayer. You're giving me some godly counsel tonight in prayer and encouragement. Um, I receive that. I, I, I receive all that the Lord has for me. And anything that's not of the Lord, I want to be stripped away from me. That's been my prayer. And I was praying, as I mentioned, uh, God, I need deliverance of anything that uh, is not of you, and I need your power gifts. 
Uh, we can only go so far under our own power, and I don't want to go under my own power. Heck no. What's the point? So uh, pra- praise the Lord. Well, thank you. Thank you for that, my friend. Now, Shannon, I double-dog dare you to get on a computer and try to type a few sentences and see if you can let that out at the same time. <laughs> and and I, I'm, t- I'm, I'm going to check on you. And when you do, don't ever let the enemy tell you you're making it up again. It's physically not possible. Well, let me ask and, you this. Uh, what do you do with the gift? What do I do with it? Let it run. Let it run full bore as often as you can. Uh, it doesn't have to be real loud. It can be just in the back of your mouth, back in your, you know, kind of in, even in your head. Just let it run. And uh, I put my hands uh, on my sons. It's going to edify you. It's going to pray. push back the darkness. And they, they don't know what the heck I'm saying, and neither do I. But I said, I don't know. Let me try. Um, well, I think he will. I think you do. The the, the problem with uh, churches, they don't teach the gifts as dials. They teach them as on-off switches. You know, everybody has the Holy Spirit when they come to Jesus. Yes. And at any moment, he can dial something up real high. I had a nine-year-old girl gave me a word from the Lord that wrecked me. And she didn't know what she was saying and didn't mean to do it. I've called people by name. I didn't know. I didn't even know that I was calling them by name, uh, because he was just doing it through me. So, and he can, you know, it's like a, a mom lifts a helicopter off her kid or something, lifts a car out in an accident, and the Lord can just max it out at any moment when He wants to. And even if that's not something you walk in all the time, and uh, so I, discernment of spirits. At the at the at the smallest level is that guy's creepy. I don't know what's wrong with him, right. but I don't I don't want to be around him. I don't want to shake his hand, you know. And uh, you know, e- even at the most basic level, even even unbelievers, you know, have conscience, which is really just the Holy Spirit telling them, "Don't do that. Don't drink that. Don't talk to that guy." Whatever. And and as you dial that dial of discernment of spirits up higher. Yes. Then you see a black cloud over that guy, and, and and then you get word of knowledge, and you know they're a Freemason, and then you start seeing right. them molesting little boys or doing whatever, and, and the more you can be trusted, the more he's going to dial that up higher and higher and higher and higher. Yes. As long as you don't say, Lord, I can't stand this anymore, shut it off, I don't want it, which people do, and they throw it back in his face. I don't wow. want a blue sweater, I want a red sweater. Well, okay, you get no sweater. God forbid. You know, that's horrible. But but I tell people whatever he gave you, uh, Lord, I I didn't want a pop gun. Well, dude, wear out the pop gun and you'll get a rifle. <laughs> that's right. You know, when that's when that's wore down and the barrels melted, then he'll give you a bazooka. But but for 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 Pete's sake, be, uh, there was a sister here. She had one syllable. Ooh. That was her whole tongue. Really? But she embraced it. She used it. It drove demons back. It, it. She knew that it was powerful. For years, all she had was ooh, 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 ooh. Wow. But but it worked. And she it, she came here with her husband, who really needed some, some deliverance and prayer. Um, and we spent a weekend dealing with her, with him, got him all cleaned up. They're getting ready to leave. She's super shiny. And I said, honey, how can I bless you? What do you want? She said, well, I would like a richer prayer prayer language with the Lord. And I said, whatever I got, you can have. And we sat on the sofa, and I held her hand, and I said, you're my sister, I love you. 
stick a straw in my cup and suck out whatever the Lord will let you have. Whatever's of him, whatever's holy, put all your armor on. Don't don't go sucking out of people. You know, you'll get clucking like a chicken from some people. But whatever's right. holy, I'll take that. You know, if I, I want bread and not a stone, all of that kind of stuff. And uh, Absolutely. So we sat on the sofa, and she, she held my hand, and then she started praying in my warfare tongue. And then she was praying in my repentance tongue. And then she was praying in my worship tongue. And then my angry Japanese guy, Optimus Prime, stomping through the Smitty City smashing thing tongue. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I'm just sitting there. I'm not doing anything. She's not mimicking me. I'm not doing anything out loud. And, and she hadn't been around me enough to hear all of these, but I hear them coming out of her, you know, wow. because they were being imparted to her, one after the other after the other. And she left with like six or seven complete language packages uh, of different sounding things. Um, what do you think that the Lord different tongues of angels? I know there's tongues of men, you know, got, uh, my grandmother yeah. one time in Haiti, uh, the Holy Spirit fell on her and she began to speak in Creole and yeah. uh, never spoke before or after in Creole, but... Uh, you know, definitely the languages of men. But what do you think these other are? These encrypted prayer languages that could be uh, angelic tongues of different varieties, for sure. But I mean, it, okay, just tongues of men. Okay, how many Native American tribes do we have in the United States where, like, there's one grandma left that still talks in that language, and they're they're going to try and videotape her and get her on cassette so they can save some kind of what that language sounded like. Well, how many are gone? Wow! How many, how many, how many dialects and languages in the last six thousand years don't exist anymore anywhere in the world, but we're still out there, you know, and uh, and God still knows what what they're what they're saying, and maybe the demons still know because they remember that tribe in the Amazon that died out five hundred years ago, or, yeah. or whatever. So I, I don't get my head in it too much, but I, what, one of the things I would go visiting, I, I visited probably four or five hundred different congregations just to watch and listen and sometimes the Lord would lead me to talk to somebody or talk to the pastor about unity before he threw me out or whatever but uh, I wasn't like standing on the pews yelling at him or anything like that just watch it and I'd go to some charismatic church and they'd pray in tongues and everybody be real loud during the five minutes in the in the bulletin where it says this is where you do this and usually nobody would interpret and I would hear the pastor praying in tongues and they all sounded like him and then I'd go to another one couple weeks later and they all sound like their pastor but they sound different than the other place i'm like lord how come these ones all sound different than those ones he said because they got what was in the pastor's cup he imparted that to the people in this building and there's no cross-pollination so there's red grapes and purple grapes and green grapes and 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 it's like barns of toes and barns of fingers and barns of eyeballs but there's no cross-pollination and so when i'd go visit someplace if I hear the pastor pray in tongues, and I'm like, oh, that's cool, Lord, that's you. Oh, yeah, that's me. I've never heard that one before. Can I have that one? Sure, go down and ask him. So I go down the aisle, pastor, could you pray for me to get the gift of tongues? He said, he never asked me if I already had it. <laughs> Why would you go ask for it if you already had it? <laughs> and so he'd lay hands on me, and I'd suck it out of his cup. <laughs> Always putting on my armor, making sure it was holy. I don't want anything that's not Jesus. Yes. I can go to a warlock convention, have them all lay hands on me. I'm going to be fine because I'm there for Jesus. I'm not there for anything else. You know, you go to Todd Bentley at Lakeland, Florida back in 2008, you'd be punching right. people in the face, getting tattoos, riding a Harley. Right. You know, I've known <laughs> plenty of guys that, Lord, I want, a, I want a fancy ministry like him. 
okay, you get his lust and you get his whatever because you don't want Jesus. You want a, you want popularity. You want power. You want whatever. That's how this false fire has spread all over the place and false tongues and false manifestations. But if you're asking for Jesus, you can find Jesus. I know people got saved watching a Benny Hinn show. The TV yes. turned itself on. Wow. <laughs> They're on the sofa drunk. He said the right thing, and they said, Lord, I'm sorry, I need you. You know, God can use a donkey or whatever. Oh, that's true. But, you know, anyway, so. The word won't return uh, That's right. Right. So, and I've got a book called Rain Right Now, Lord. The Lord told me all these people having big conferences, praying for the latter rain and the early rain, praying for God to pour his spirit on all flesh. It's a giant waste of time. I said, what do you mean? He said, I'm waiting on you. So what? He said, yeah, I put endless springs of living water inside of each of you. As soon as you stop being lukewarm and stagnant, sitting on your lees, we get the show on the road. Wow. I'm like, Lord, so we just need to pour our cups out on each other and on the world, and we're on? He's like, yeah, I'm waiting on you to pour my spirit out on all flesh. He showed me a picture of the church. It was like a stack of champagne glasses where you pour in the top and it overflows all the way down. That's what it's supposed to be like. Whatever you got from the Lord, you should be, and you're doing it with your show, uh, even if you're not laying hands on them. Stuff's being poured out. Faith and, and, uh, uh, you know, and deliverance and other stuff's being poured out. Pouring out the cup. Yeah, yeah. And, and you can do that sort of by osmosis, by preaching to people, or you can do that by laying hands on them and say, Lord, whatever I got, whatever you, you're willing to give them, give it to them, even if I don't get it back. You know, to the last drop, if this person, you know, there's so many prophets, you can go to their conference and they'll lay hands on you and give you a drop of something, just enough that you'll fall on the floor or maybe you'll have a dream or something. But they're not going to pour out so much that you outsell their book and replace them on the speaking circuit. You know, they they don't want that. They'll give you a, a little squirt of something. Me, if 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 I'm in front of a crowd of a million and a 13 year old girl comes down the aisle and the Lord says you're done, she's going to bring this home. Give her everything. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. Right now, I, I don't care. Just get it done. I yes. want Jesus back yes. so this nasty mud ball can get fixed. I don't care who does it. And if He says give it all to her, fine, no wow. problem. Amen. And the Absolutely. faster you give it away, the faster he's going to give you more anyway. So, you know, it, uh, Isaiah 58 says, if you will extend your soul to the thirsty soul and satisfy the afflicted soul, then you'll be a well-watered garden with springs of water that never fail. And then the, you restore streets with dwellings. So, so restoration doesn't come until we learn how to sacrificially extend the spiritual stuff to, out to those that need it. And then watch God replace it and, and give you more so that you can keep doing it. Um, but that's a whole other show. Well, that that's the truth. I'm going to say one last thing. Uh, I will testify that Doug is sincere in what he's saying. Because in 2010, Doug, we've done, done a few programs already, and I called you off here, and I think we were setting up a show, and, and uh, something was going on in my life, and I had you pray for me. And you prayed that prayer. You said, Lord, give... Shannon, everything that I've got, fill up his cup uh, and uh, dump it on him. Of course, if he backslides, kill him. <laughs> yeah. Like uh, yeah, if you if he makes it about him, stop him dead in his tracks. That was it. Yeah. And uh, I never forgot that. <laughs> and uh, he's saying the same thing today, folks. 
Uh, you're, that is so true, Brother Doug. My friend, I love you, and I appreciate you coming on today. I'm looking forward to doing many shows with you. And also, something I just thought about tonight, we can also do some programs in the future. We'll open up phone lines. If you want to minister to anybody or they want to call in for questions or get you to pray for them, we can do open for lines sure. too. Uh, before we close, yeah. though, because I know it's getting late on your end, uh, Doug, where do people go to find out more about your ministry? And uh, do you have more teaching online? You mentioned some books. How can they order them? How do they support your ministry? Yeah, the main website is fellowshipofthemartyrs.com, M-A-R-T-Y-R-S.com. Uh, and uh, in the Great Commission, he says, go and be my witnesses unto the ends of the world. That word witness is martus, is martyr. Um, so the Great Commission, he said, this is what the church ought to be, the koinonia, the fellowship, the comradeship of those who are dying daily and will lay down their life without a thought. That's what the church ought to be, and that's what it's going to be in the end times. Anyway, or else. <laughs> and yes. uh, anyway, go to the website. There's a link there to, to give if you want to donate. There's uh, addresses for Cash App, PayPal, Venmo, Zelle, all of that stuff. If you want to mail a check, there's address there. All of the books are there for free um, that I've written, uh, that the Lord's written through me, um, including my mom's book that she wrote when we were missionaries in Mexico. It's very sweet. Oh, really? Uh, Baptist uh, missionary's wife who... She doesn't say, I heard God tell me. She uses Baptist like, I felt led by the Lord. Sure. But she absolutely heard God. <laughs> and there's a lot of stories uh, uh, in, in her book that are very sweet about our first four years in Mexico. Is your mom um, dead still alive? No, she passed away. She was 48 and passed away from uh, skin cancer, from melanoma. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, How about your dad? He's okay. He's uh, down uh, South Missouri. Um, seventy, seventy seven, seventy eight. Now he is. So you got? Oh, he just had left, a birthday. January. And I got my mom still left. She's still kicking. Uh, yeah. At seventy two. Uh, the reason I mentioned is uh, next time you talk to him, if he wants to preach, then we'll give him the microphone. Get him on. Okay. Uh, nothing like I a Baptist it. preacher. Uh, that you get the word in ba- in Baptist churches. I've been. I used to go to Waiuka Baptist Church in downtown Atlanta and uh, Vacation Bible School. Um, hey Doug, uh, you have. Um, fellowship of the martyrs.com do you also have a youtube channel yeah it's fotm1 uh, on youtube we got a couple thousand videos there uh the books several of the books are there on audiobook um our um our outreach ministry is liberty disaster relief we're in liberty missouri um outside of kansas city northeast side of kansas city and we have a farm with a cave under it 20 acre limestone mine under a 40 acre farm we have uh, 10 mobile homes where we house people in need we have a thrift store with a giant warehouse for a community storehouse to to collect wheelchairs and crutches and sleeping bags and whatever else uh, plus we have discount groceries about half the price of Walmart to help people out and all kinds of stuff that we do and uh, and some big plans the a big vision the Lord has given us for some internet stuff that I've We'll talk. We'll talk oh. about on the next show. Yeah, I want you to tell, and, uh, tell us about that. Where people promises can help. promises over Kansas City that I, I'm watching him fulfill. Um, tell that us I'm what excited you need, about too. and uh, let's see what we can do to rally some support, folks. To get involved with, get involved with Doug and uh, Fellowship of the Martyrs. If you're just joining us, we're live with Doug Perry, Fellowship of the Martyrs. He's going to be back on Friday night at uh, 8 p.m. Central. My friend, we love and appreciate you. Do you want to close us in prayer? Thank you for going the distance with me tonight. Sure, 
absolutely. And I know that there's a certain amount of cross pollination. If anybody, you know, like you know Sheila Zelensky or anybody else is listening and wants me on their show, just let me know. Um, I did. I did one of her shows a long time ago. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, um, I'm still talking to Sheila. She's coming back yeah. on. Um, do you mind if I put your name in the hat and try to get you some more bookings? Absolutely, absolutely. Okay. We'd appreciate so, it. I've I've got a word that I know the Lord wants me to get out to all the world, and I know that it's supposed to happen, and that we're supposed to be traveling and doing all kinds of stuff. And I've been chomping at the bit for years, and the Lord says, "Not yet, not yet." So maybe twenty four is when we get to do some of that stuff. Well, I think something. And uh, I think this is a year to take action. May I give your cell yeah. phone number out to a couple friends that got shows? I'll get get uh, for sure. Talk to Sheila and also Bill French. We want to keep yeah, you coming on here regularly, and then we'll try to get you some more bookings too. I share everybody because uh, be we're great. on the same team. Okay, that's great. Uh, well, Lord, thank you so much for this time. Lord, please let anything that was said that wasn't all of, all of, all you let it fall to the ground harmless. Lord, we don't want to. We don't ever want to hurt your bride. We don't want to lead anybody astray. We don't want to uh, take anybody's eyes off of you. But, Lord, I, I continue to pray for, for all those that are listening and, and made it through to the end of the show uh, that that you would just be real and present, that you would show them what a good dad you are, how faithful and reliable and true, and that you'd walk beside them and, and uh, hold their hand through whatever's coming. We know that we need you more than we need guns, more than we need uh, a certain politician, more than we need anything. Uh, we need you and that uh, you're enough. Uh, we bless you and we thank you. We look forward to seeing how you're going to work all this out and uh, all of the beautiful, sweet people that are going to come together and work uh, shoulder to shoulder for your kingdom. Um, I've, I've had a chance to meet so many amazing, beautiful, sweet, wonderful people all over the world. And uh, uh, we look forward to eternity getting to know them all. We bless you and we thank you and we praise your holy name. Praying this to the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Folks, Doug Perry, fellowshipofthemartyrs.com. We'll get this up in the archives today. And uh, join us again Friday, 8 Pacific. Uh, excuse me, 9 p.m. Eastern, which is 8 p.m. Central. Excuse me. Doug, love right. you, brother. Thank you for coming on tonight. It's an honor to work with you. You too. God thank bless you, man. Thank you for your ministry, my friend. Thank you, sir. Folks, that was Doug Perry. Wow. Praise the Lord. Did you enjoy today's programs? We had seven shows. Praise God. Full marathon today. Seven shows really is a full marathon. We could say five is, but seven, real that's a real one. And uh, I'm looking forward to having Doug on regularly. We'll have a minister. We'll get some phone lines open for you to call to Doug. Go to website fellowshipofthemartyrs.com I'll have all these programs uploaded, got uh, everything caught up through yesterday and uh, we'll get tonight's up there too for you and stay current omegamanradio.com signing out, love you all folks God bless you, we're going to be back tomorrow God willing at 7pm Eastern, Gary Stafford with a guest and uh, we're going to have Bill Jenkins on tomorrow 2024 Prophetic Almanac Joseph Jasinski from Edmonton, Alberta, Canada Friday actually we're doing an early bird show at 6pm Eastern, Peter Torres, John Terrell Rose Betancourt from Miracle Valley Doug Perry and WMI, Dr. Hansen God bless you all friends 
Good night.